This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. On today's show, the guys talk about differentiation in PBL, makerspaces, and ed tech in general. Music from Gooseneck, the Google Tip of the Week, and more. That's all up next on EduTech Guys. EduTech Guys Radio. Radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on the site this program for those who participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. Hello and welcome to EduTech Guys Radio. Good afternoon to you. I am one of your hosts, David. And I'm Jeff. There you go. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in, turning on, pointing your web browser in our general direction, all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Hope things are going well for you today. That's an odd laugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You never know what I'm up to. Shark bait. <laughs> hey, check us out on the web. You can get us at www.edutechguys.com or you can find us at twitter.com slash edutechguys. Heck, just go out to Google, put in edutechguys, and you will see my lovely face you smiling will. back at you. No, you will actually find the edutech guys. We're here to make all the good ed tech education stuff happen for you. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Had dental work this morning. I think the drugs are just now rolling back into the top of my head. Well, but between the fact that that half of your mouth is still asleep and therefore doesn't function, and the fact that you had the monitoring headphones in your ears. I had a little bit of mush mouth going on. I have to concentrate so that I can speak correctly. It was awesome. It was uh, terrible. <laughs> uh, well, it, it was funny on this end, maybe not on, on that. So end. I do apologize if I uh, sound even more mush mouth than I normally sound because I I am still pretty much numb. Go ahead and smack me one time. I probably won't hear <laughs> <do> it. <laughs> hey, it's going to be a great show today because it's just us. You're trapped in this virtual room of radio internet land with Dave and Jeff. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, if you'd like to participate... You can do that in a couple of ways. One, you can follow hashtag ETG chat. And uh, when we tweet stuff out, we uh, will try to include that chat uh, along with it. 
Um, but if you have something that you'd like to say, by all means, you can do hashtag ETG chat. You can also reach out to us directly at EduTechGuys. Um, and uh, I believe our uh, man behind the scenes, the good Doc Nate, is monitoring things on radio.edutechguys.com. He's got the live chat going, so you can uh, put chats in there, and then he can keep us informed as to what's happening because um, we still can't see it. But he does it so sweetly. But he does. Hey, you fat ginger. <laughs> That's how he reaches out to me. No, he doesn't. He's he's actually really nice. Wow. He calls me little round friend. But my little round my friend. My little round friend. <laughs> Say hello to Nate, my little Nate is a lot taller than me. I didn't he realize is, that actually. the other day. I was like, guys, he's a mountain of a man. He is. He's just tall. Uh, up tall ways, as they would say, around these parts. <laughs> Lost my mind. Yes. Hey, you're listening to radio.edutechguys.com. Hey, we're going to take a quick little commercial. We'll be right back with some really fun stuff. You're listening to edutechguys.com. Don't just listen to us. Bring us into your district today for cool, exciting professional development. We'll teach you and your students how to take podcasting to the next level and use it to reach your classroom. And to reach the world, reach out to us on Twitter at EduTechGuys or head over to EduTechGuys.com. Scroll down on the page and fill out the form and we'll be in touch. Bring EduTechGuys to your school. Hey, so let's get into our topic of the day. Bust out some conversation. Um, one of the things that we want to talk about is differentiation, uh, especially when it comes to things like makerspaces and um, project-based learning, and, and then, of course, general education technology, but um, specifically really looking at uh, makerspaces, project-based learning. Um, so I, just for all the folks at home, uh, we should probably start with, um, I don't know, kind of a working definition, maybe? Does that sound, sound like a plan? I can do that. All right. You, you do that. I think I can. <laughs> All right. So uh, from the old Google, we'll just use the one that comes up on Google, which might help out. Okay. So differentiated instruction is the way in which a teacher anticipates and responds to a variety of students' needs in the classroom. To meet the students' needs, teachers differentiate by modifying the content, what is being taught, the process, how it's being taught, and the product, how students demonstrate their learning. I, th I think that's a fairly good definition. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with Google. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, this, We're going to need their money one day. <laughs> <laughs> this came up. Uh, we had a great post today. If you followed Twitter, we had a great post at 8 this morning on differentiation. If you want to check it out, you know, head out to Twitter and take a look at that. But talking about differentiation, and it, it got my mind to thinking, and we were discussing it, um, the way that we've, we've actually fixed that whole problem without trying to fix that problem by it, just in project-based learning alone or even makerspaces um, and ed tech in general, because that's the way we're actually, let's talk about that one thing in meeting those different needs, you know, like what's being taught now, how do we, how do we change it up? And so, you know, project-based learning, I don't know if we can actually, do, when we talk about changing up what's being taught, I mean, when, when I say that, what do you, how do you think of that? What, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Like modifying uh, the content, you know, what's being taught. How do we modify the content to differentiate, say, inside of PBL? Mm. That that gets that's interesting. I, th I threw a hard one, didn't I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're making me think way too hard. Well, you know, to me, uh, it takes me back to that stupid Globe Theater. 
you know? I mean, when you're talking about Shakespeare and suddenly you throw the Globe Theater in there, yeah. you know, Ginger hated that too. We remember oh, yeah, two yeah. years ago we had this discussion yes. about the Globe Theater, and we talked about, you know, so there's the thing that I think gets thrown around too much is when you talk about modifying the content. What in the world does spending one or two weeks building up the Globe Theater out of popsicle sticks have to do with Shakespeare? Yeah. I mean, and it's really true. And I'm not knocking those of you out there that build the Globe <laughs> Theater with, with popsicle sticks. Well, I think, I think the big difference is, um, you know, I, I don't know, I, hopefully, anyway, at least in my brain, um, even the folks who are still building Globe Theaters, whether it's out of popsicle sticks or they're uh, having the students come in and create 3D models and, and print those out or using things like Google SketchUp or what have you, you know, whatever, whatever the medium is, paper mache, you name it. Um, those folks that are still doing that type of activity, um, my hope is that in today's day and age, it's it's moved beyond just creating it for the sake of creating it. I'm, and and who knows? I don't know. Maybe, the, you know, maybe my teachers back in the day who made me build the thing had a perfectly good reason. Uh, I just don't recall whatsoever other than the fact that we well, were you told know, to make it. So where I'm going with all this, though, is that in terms of the content, um, if if the goal, again, for whatever reason, is that the students demonstrate their ability to construct a globe theater um <laughs> if that content is not just say shakespeare it's not just um you know putting actors on the stage that kind of thing but let's say that the content is being modified so that it includes aspects from other curricular act, uh, areas for example you're not just building it let's talk about scale let's talk about uh let's talk about instead of uh a globe theater that's built out of um, I don't know, just whatever, let's say paper mache and where there's just kind of a wireframe. What about the structure behind the walls? You know, those types of things. Sure. Uh, what about, what about the artwork that went into the textiles that made up the, uh, tapestries that hung from the walls, you know, those kinds of things include all these different things from different content areas as a cohesive, you know, ultimately, ultimate one you know culmination of, of this particular globe theater project if yeah uh, you know, and again yeah and, I, and i've got something to do. so i hear where you go i see where you're going with that and, you know i think that that's interesting and in support of that i think in early pbl when we started you know and maybe before it was even project-based learning it was building the globe theater because that's what we're going to do but you know it's like i think i think of differentiated instruction as taking like multiple approaches to content process and like product. So, you know, back in the day, it was like, well, and, and, and here's the difference in where we are now. So let's wrap in maker spaces and ed tech into this. So back in the day when you and I were in school and we rode those ponies to school and, uh, you know, across uphill both ways in the snow, that's right. you no know, shoes. you know, we, the, all we had was popsicle sticks and some Elmer's glue. So that's what we did. We built these globe theaters. But now the the process and the product and you know and the content is different. So now, thank goodness for makerspaces and thank goodness for edtech. I mean, now you could create the Globe Theater virtually. Um, you could create it with three D printing. You could create it with cardboard. You could create it. You know, there's multiple ways to do it. Um, 
and and there's so many apps and there's so many areas in makerspace to do that. So I think that that we're seeing differentiation in school get better because of that. The interesting part, I guess, that would bring me to that is is like because it's it's all about assessment in the long run, you know, assessing what the student can do. I guess it's a growth area. Then maybe I'm I'm sorry. I I, I don't know. I I think I, I before we go too much further, I, I think. There are definitely those who would say the fact that having the students build the Globe Theater as an end product, <clears throat> because that was already established, that basically you're not even talking about project-based learning at that point. You're talking about product-based learning. Well, perhaps, there you go. Yeah, there. where you're, you know, I'm the teacher, and I'm going to tell you what you have to make, whether you care one iota about it or not. And so, I think that actually ties back even into differentiated learning and again talking about makerspaces you know one of the great things about a good makerspace is that it provides all sorts of materials like you were talking about you know if you wanted to do a virtual building or whatever um but tying the differentiation into the makerspace and into in this case project-based learning you know the students should be in charge of what that ultimate product is that demonstrates whatever those key elements are that the teacher is looking for, for that assessment. So if the assessment is over Shakespeare and Shakespeare's works and what life was like in that time period and et cetera, et cetera, if the student wants to build a globe theater because they're interested in a theater and they wow. like that, yeah. great. But let's say the student doesn't give a crap about that and instead they decide they're going to do some other type of uh, end project resulting in an end product that demonstrates what they're doing. I don't know. Maybe they like to dress up and they're going to do a video and it demonstrates what they know. Or they're going to create a newspaper and, and demonstrates all the information. Going back to what you said in terms of assessment, you know, you, you still, I, th I think anyway, you still have to have that that rubric of, you know, what are we looking for, right? And what makes, <clears throat> what is going to demonstrate to me as the instructor, what's going to demonstrate to me that you actually have a grasp on what's going on, and you're not just regurgitating what Google's throwing right. out at you. Well, that's true, and you know, I guess you were just talking about the, the different, you know, the kid that doesn't want to make the global the, the globe the global the globe <laughs> theater. Because, I mean, I guess differentiated instruction is actually kind of a blend of, like, whole class and individual and sure. groups. Sure. You know, so that, that's how it's going to work. I, I think of it, too, as, like, <clears throat> and, and, I'm, and, and I, you know, Dave and I, are we, this has been on my brain, and it's, it's one that you, we might not come to a, a, a clear point at the end of this show. <laughs> but well, it's, it's the discussion. The, the discussion is really interesting because – you know, trying to refine to find new ways that it, we can, you know, make sure that everything's differentiated in itself. Um, but you know, there's a crazy part because it's kind of organic and dynamic. You know, I mean, think about it. The teacher is also the learner when you get right into it, because as it's moving forward, mm -hmm. you know, as they're assessing what's happening and the, the everything that's going on, it's kind of an organic thing that's you know growing and and building on itself. So that because they're making adjustments, the students are making adjustments. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and exactly. that, but that brings us back to you know a makerspace because I promise you, I promise you, ninety percent. And I guess I made up that number. Ninety percent 
of the maker spaces that were started in the last three to five years in schools did not have a clear, clear, clear plan of where they were going or where they were starting. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, just you, just from walking in and, and they, looking around, they can pretend around. they were going to, and they can say that. Well, we had these plans. Well, no, but you know, it would be funny to look back. It's not funny. It would be interesting to look back and have those people take a good long look. And it would be interesting if you've done that out there to let us know that you can say, yeah, here's where we looked back and went, wow, this is where we started, and here's where we are now, and yes. here's how much stuff changed because we realized that you know we were not differentiated at all for our students. It was like, we're going to do this. We're going to print, you know, these blocks. That's 3D printing. And that's what we're going to do. And that was the end of it. And there was no end goal beyond printing the blocks. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, so it's interesting that I guess that PBL and Makerspace has grown side by side. Mm -hmm. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? (laughs) Well, I would I would argue, and, and I'm sure there are others who would argue for and against what I'm about to say, but um, I, I truly believe that the concept, especially the very early concepts of project-based learning um, came before, well, you know, now that I'm saying this and I'm thinking, I was <laughs> going to say it came first, but if we take makerspace and we use more of the definition that Jeff and I uh, you know, when we talk about makerspace, a lot of times in our brains, we're thinking makerspace before the word makerspace was cool, mm-hmm. you know, back when they called it things like shop and home ec and, you know, that type of thing, right? you know? So yeah, that, that's very interesting. So, you know, what actually, what did come first? That's, that's pretty well. I mean, I can think back to my wood shop days and now I would argue that was much more product-based than project-based. I, I wasn't given an open-ended, well, I guess I sort of was. I'm thinking back. Um, I had two projects that stand out in mind. Um, one was we had to create uh, a, a mirror out of a uh, piece of wood. Um, I think it was probably about, I don't know, maybe it's probably about a foot, a foot long, maybe six inches wide and maybe four inches deep, maybe not quite that deep, maybe two inches deep. And we, and it was just a, it was just a rectangle block of wood. And we had to come up and create our own mirror out of that. And, and we got the, the, we had to cut the mirror and the whole nine yards, but the design itself and how we got there was totally up to us. Hmm. And then we also had to do a, a, a one of those lamps. I, I always feel like the kid in, um, breakfast club who talks about the lamp, you know, when he pulled it, it's supposed to come on. And that, that was me literally in high school. I had to make a <laughs> lamp. I was not into the elephant. But, you know, I had to make a lamp. It was made out of wood. Um, and, and I had to do the pull string thing with the lamp come on. And it was, mine, mine was exactly that way. I mean, you know, I pulled it. It wouldn't come on. And was it, you know, so it was just. Help me. But, yeah, you know. Um, so I think, though, that, I don't know. It's, it's very interesting that we've come, you know, we've kind of come all this way to sort of come full circle. And, and with all that, you know, and back then, were they talking differentiated instruction among, no, to be perfectly honest, the shop teacher was, you know, barking orders at you and, and, you know, you, you cut things this way and you did it that way. And there was no, there wasn't differentiation. You know, if, if I didn't understand, uh, if I couldn't read, I had nothing else to go by. It wasn't like there was, I don't know, a picture of, of something or, you know, or I, I could draw it out. Right. Right. Uh, but 
I wouldn't know how to do the measurement. So, so there was definitely not collaboration because that was cheating right. in those days. And I think that's one of the things when we, when we get into maker spaces, good maker spaces, at least for my two cents. In good maker spaces, A, and in, especially with differentiation, A, there are lots of different materials and resources available within that environment so that no matter what my learning style is or what my preferred method of assembly is, I could most likely find some way to take what's rolling around in my head and express that through whatever medium is available, whatever media is available. You ever notice that it, it, even back in shop class, we talk about you know how the student demonstrates their learning through the medium. Mm -hmm. But that's what's pretty interesting. Very few classes would let me express, we do a project on uh, Pol Pot and his reign of terror, the reign of terror there. But mine would happen to be a folk song acted out in mime. Sure. Don't see that a lot. No, no, you don't. I mean, but it's, you it, could. But you see, I mean, I. it's funny. I think that we've moved so far in PBL and in makerspaces in this idea of the way students present their, demonstrate, you know, their learning, present what they've learned, that we've gotten to that. And here's the really cool part. We've been talking a lot about VR and AR and stuff. And now we have, well, Corey Ingstrom's kids are doing that right now. Sure. Corey Ingstrom's kids in California, elementary school kids are building virtual worlds to demonstrate their learning. You know, that's, you talk about crazy differentiators. Yeah. 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 Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break for a commercial. When we come back, we're going to talk a little about, about ed tech and what's out there app wise and what's going on to create you know, you know, for, for that differentiated, differentiated instruction that we're looking for in education. We'll be right back with EduTech guys. Are you an educator, an administrator, work in the education technology field? Reach out to us at EduTechGuys on Twitter or go to EduTechGuys.com and fill out the form to be a guest on an upcoming show. We'd love to hear your story and share it with the world. EduTechGuys.com Hey, welcome back. Yeah, listen, the... Be our guest. We'd love to have you on the show. If you're listening to the show, you know someone that should be on the show. Should be on the show. <laughs> you whispered it like the mic didn't pick you up. Should be. Should be. We'd love to have you on the show. So uh, reach out to us. Jeff at edutechguys.com or David at edutechguys.com or just head out to Twitter. You can follow us on there. And you can message us from there. Just let us know that you'd like to be on the show. Head to the website. Drop down to the bottom of the page. You'll find a nice little uh, form there that you can fill out and request uh, for you to be on the show. Or maybe just give us a hint of someone that you know that has a great educational ed tech story they'd like to share with the EduTech guys. So we were just talking about differentiated education. And we were talking about makerspaces and PBL. But there's a really interesting ed tech. And ed tech has changed the whole landscape of differentiated education. Uh, in my opinion, it mm -hmm. has, I mean, just let's just take social media for one. Yeah. There's one right there. So many ways to attack the way it's taught, the way it's uh, demonstrated to the kids and the way they just demonstrate their learning. And th that whole thing is just uh, crazy. You know, when you come to content and process and product, then just, social media alone can hit a whole bunch of areas. I think it could. 
Well, and and I think one of the things, you know, when you talk about students demonstrating their knowledge, and and again, you know, we're talking about differentiated learning. So some of the things that we talk about are going to apply to some of the students, and some of the other students are going to be like, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to do that. (laughs) So, and that's but that's all part of that. So right now we're talking about social media, and 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 when when we talk about that, I think of things like when you get students and of course you know we're talking about age appropriateness and all that other good stuff but you know um when you have things like students who are blogging about the you know about the topic that they've been assigned or you have um you know we we hear of these different projects where um the students take on the persona of various historical figures and they tweet out you know, kind of what's happening or what they envision happening uh, in, you know, as a conversation, or they have, you know, the the kind of, they have multiple uh, fake Facebook like sites where students can pretend to be uh, socially interacting. And, you know, and and by the same token, you know, we talk about the fake stuff, but really why not have your students tweet out what they're really doing, but you know, know, what they really think. I like to jump in right there when you're talking about that. Look at the musical Hamilton, you know, is that a historical piece or is that a fictional piece? Mm. Well, it's mostly fictional. Sure. You know, it, there's a new uh, show coming on about Einstein on A&E or one of those, you know, and his life and his marriage and his you know, people in his life, mostly fictional. But boy, talk about a learning, you know, mm-hmm. experience and uh, not knocking Hamilton or any of that. That's, sure. that's a great way to get people you know, to get students mm-hmm. really encouraged about it and letting them put themselves into that and say, okay, now you're in this situation, you know, and then let's, let's look at what the process was to get to this point and what's the process if you did it this way, but what if the process happened this way? Right. And, and you know, the learning just grows exponentially, which is pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. And, and tying it all back to ed tech, you know, taking the technology that is available, you know, so we talked about, you know, social media, Twitter, Facebook, blogging, that type of thing. But there are lots of other avenues and and venues that the students can use to express themselves. Things like, um, oh, uh, if we're talking about a student creating their own web space for a particular project. So they could do things like, I mean, you could fire up Weebly if you wanted to. And, you know, I mean, it's very basic. and, And but that's kind of the point. You know, you don't necessarily want students to get hung up on the tech side of it, although some of your students are going to love that and they'll probably exploit it to no end, you know, taking absolute most advantage of it. But um, Weebly and KidBlog and then moving up, you have things like, you know, WordPress and, um, you know, heck, OneNote um, is, is a phenomenal tool. Um, and then, you know, there's other ways of, of having the students demonstrate their knowledge, depending on what the topic is, in terms of collecting data. So, you know, you could have the students devise a, a survey that they send out and they use something like SurveyMonkey or Google Forms and, and collect that data and then analyze that data and then present their findings of the data that they've collected from people in the real world who have, you know, responded and given their take on whatever those uh, particular uh, questions were whatever whatever they developed. How many times have we seen uh, videos on YouTube where it's students who decide that that's you know the way they want to express uh, to to be able to demonstrate their knowledge is 
to create this produced video piece. I mean, crud, uh, two minutes before we came on the air, uh, our my the teacher center coordinator here uh, where I work, uh, she came on, I mean, she came down to show us a video that her two boys had made that was a kind of a remake of a Coke commercial. And I mean, they got other students involved. And of course they were recreating, it was kind of a step-by-step recreation. So they had to recreate those scenes and those spots and they had to edit it all together. And that was just something they did for fun. I mean, you know, how, how awesome is that? Yeah, that's really, that's, you're exactly <laughs> I mean, right. That's the cool, that's the cool end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one more thing that it's really interesting about ed tech now is that we have finally come to the point and we've always been striving for this. And as the, as the technology gets better and better, it makes it easier and easier for us to build more attainable apps, more attainable mm-hmm. portals, websites that the students can use. You know, we're always looking for that one place that, so that in differentiation, the idea is, is that we don't, one size does not always fit all. Exactly. But if you can make a website that is so attainable to everyone, then it's not just one size. It's it's just fully attainable. It's got the power to do the big stuff, but it's got the simplicity to make sure that every student can perform and go through the process and create content. Sure. And the, and that's I think that's where we are now at in the we're just at the cusp of it. But I mean you know, looking at some of the stuff that we were talking with Corey about. I mean, he's got elementary kids building virtual worlds. We've got kids making videos with their phones and editing them with their phones, right? putting them out there, recreating, writing, blogging. The differentiation in ed tech is definitely there. And, um, you know, that's what we're going to see as the new educational entrepreneurs take off is when they build those sites that allow that kind of stuff to happen. And the cool part about that is, is that, we always talked about a one-stop shop. You know, that was like, well, if we can get one site that does everything. You know, the beauty of it is, is that maybe you don't need that really. I think it's great to have a one-stop shop for some things. Sure. But it's going to be nice when the entrepreneurs of the future build that one site that does podcast knowledge mm-hmm. and does that one site that does this math. Mm-hmm. And they do it well. And it's, you know, it's encompassing. And it's, you know, every, we've got multiple avenues to take a look at. And it's not just, well, I'm going to buy, you know, X factor software because they do everything from grading to podcasting, to video, to right. making my lunch, to doing <laughs> yes. my science homework for me. And Oh, look, a volcano. You know I mean? It's just, right. I think that's a really big one to me, but yeah, I'm, it's pretty cool stuff. Well, and, and one of the things, and, and I don't know, I, I don't know if we've even talked about this on, on the show or not. I, I know we've talked about, Entrepreneurship, and, and we've talked about student entrepreneurship, where you know they the students create products that turn around and and they can you know sell. Some people are for it, some people are against it, and I totally get that. I you know okay, it is what it is. But um, there's a very cool website. It is called Artsonia, A R T S O N I A dot com, and it allows students to upload images of their artwork. And it doesn't matter what their artwork is. It, it could be a painting. It could be a sculpture they made. It could be, you know, whatever. And they can upload an image of that. And then um, parents and, and just well, the public in general could actually buy things that have that artwork on it. So this gets signed up through the school. But they go out. So they, they, they sign up. And teachers can have the students posting their 
creations onto the site and then, you know, get the word out there and they can turn around and sell products that have their artwork on it, which is phenomenal. And then here's the other, here's the real cool thing is um, the way Artsonia works is uh, that the money that is raised goes to fund art programs at the school, right? You don't get that, you know, that way you don't get into the whole, you know, this kid's, you know, under 18 and they, how are they going to earn money? And, you know, you, you can't just give them money and blah, blah, all that other stuff. It, it gets all around that in that as, as these, as the student art is sold online then that money is turned back to the school's art programs to help further art education. But thinking beyond just art, you know, students could create virtual, again, we talked about, you know, like in, in, in SketchUp, they could create this environment, grab a screenshot of it and boom, all of a sudden that's a eight by 10 on the wall or it's a coffee mug or it's, you yeah. know, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's really cool stuff. There's that content. There's that student displaying the work that lasts for a long, long time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Hey, listen, we're going to listen to a little music now. Time for that uh, artist of the week. Uh, yeah. it, please reach out to us on Twitter. Tell us what you think about differentiation in education, what we had to talk about here. Give us some insights that we missed because, trust me, we know we missed them. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, reach out to us. Uh, but we, Artist of the week, who is it this week? It's- this week we've got Gooseneck, and they are at Facebook.com slash Gooseneck Music, and this is Hot Mess. Hot, 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 hot mess. It's a hot mess, a hundred degrees in that dress, a hot mess, and it's time to confess, who's a little brunette, smoking cigarettes, how much you gonna bet, it's a hot, 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 hot mess, hot, hot well, mess, hot mess, hot, hot mess, taking her down. 
Hey, Gooseneck with Hot Mess on Guys Radio. Radio.edutechguys.com. Hope you like that one. Uh, hot Mess. How poignant. <laughs> How to the point, I guess I should say. No, uh, but uh, we want to thank Gooseneck for letting us play their music on the show. Yep. Uh, that's a really ha- happening, hip, upbeat tune. Hope you enjoyed it. I liked it. So, hey, guess what? We're coming up pretty soon. If you want to catch us live and see this entire hot mess. Uh, Speaking of hot mess. <laughs> in a live uh, captive environment, uh, the first place we'll be coming up pretty soon is the Innovation Institute in Springdale, Arkansas, June 7th through the 8th. Uh, that's coming up pretty quickly. Right after that is... Right after that, we've got Histy? the... Uh, yeah, HISTI. That's the Hot Springs technology institute in hot springs that's uh, the the next week as a matter of fact june 12th through the 15th cool and then uh we'll jump into july we'll be at a uh, podstock uh july 12th through the 14th that's in wichita kansas so if you're up in that area you can catch us there at podstock that's gonna be a fun one yeah that'd be cool actually they're all three gonna be fun we always have a good time at each each of those so yeah if you want to catch us live you can catch us there and sit down and chat with us on the show yeah absolutely man you know, I was looking at my watch, and Uh-oh. you know what time it is. It's time for the Google Tip of the Week. <laughs> hey, this Google, this week's Google Tip of the Week comes of us, comes to of us, comes to us from their last next meeting for the real Google Cloud, cloud meeting that Google just had out on the West Coast, and it's really cool because it's Team Drive for G Suite, and Team Drive is pretty darn cool. So, you know, if you share a folder and you share it with a whole group of people, then you actually own that folder. Right. And people can put stuff in there that they own, but then they share it with other people. But you've noticed that if someone leaves the group or you decide you're done and blah, 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 you take your stuff with you. Well, you owned it. Right. They didn't. Right. And so it's easy for that to be lost, especially when you're talking about hundreds and thousands of documents in these, you know, giant shared directories folders and uh, that's been a kind of a problem you know and google handles it well but it doesn't handle it as well as they wanted it to so hey guess what team drive so now what's great about team drive is the team owns the documents so people can come and go and be you know moved in and out and change permissions it doesn't matter because the drive itself is the actual owner because it's a team drive. That's very cool. Very cool for education. Very cool for business. Very cool for enterprise. Um, That's where it works. So if you're thinking about, Hey, you're going to go turn that on. um, You can do that. If you have G suite enterprise, G suite business or G suite for education editions. Now I understand it also works for G suite for nonprofits. So if you do have that one, it will also work there. Pretty easy to set up. Um, it has to be turned on first by your Google admin. So make sure you talk to your Google admin at your site and say, hey, will you turn on Team Drive? Because I would like to create some team folders. Beautiful for journalism. Uh, anything that's sharing lots of pictures and, and data that needs to, for a lot of people to get to that, you know, People are going to come and go as the years change or as yeah. the months change or days change. That's pretty cool stuff. That is very, very cool. And as of right now, it's an option and it is turned off by default. Uh, but come January 1st, 2018, it's going to be on for everyone that has those qualifying entities that Jeff talked about. What? Yeah. <laughs> but they're very, very cool. So you definitely want to check that out and uh, we'll uh, drop out a tweet uh, to, to help you learn more about team drives for G Suite. Cool stuff. 
Hey, well, it's been a great show. It has been a great show. Hope you had a good time. Please catch us on the web, www.twitter.com slash edutechguys, edutechguys.com. Just go to Google and search edutechguys. Let us know what you think and give us some tips and some tricks, some things that we need to know and share with our listeners. Yes, absolutely. Hey, I'm Jeff Madlock. I'm David Henderson. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Edutech Guys Radio, radio radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on this site and this program are those of participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master's schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You, you can, can do, do it, it all, all but, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.